0: Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good morning, and welcome to the final weekend of 2018, everybody. So, we got a jam-packed show today. I'll be perfectly honest, you know, I had no idea I would be talking about hockey to lead off this weekend, but the amount of quotes from Dallas Star CEO Jim Light, I I mean, this might be the most, like, cantankerous interview I've ever seen from an executive of a professional sports team. So I'm going to lead off with this story just because of the fact that we got a lot to get to between... College football with the bowl games. Uh, we, we, got, we got the Orange Bowl uh, coming up. Uh, and we have uh, the other uh, matchup in terms of uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, Alabama, and uh, Oklahoma. But man, oh man, uh, we, we got to talk about the NHL here first. Because uh, to preface this, the Dallas Stars are currently sitting in 8th place in the Western Conference. So they're technically in the playoffs. But these were the quotes coming from Jim Lights in an interview that he actually called for. This wasn't uh, like something on the spot where he got caught off guard by the interviewer. He literally uh, called the interviewer to say these quotes, which means he premeditated what he was going to say and still dropped these bombs on his own players. His star players being Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. They are bleeping horse bleep. I don't know how else to put it. The team was okay, but Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn were terrible. I don't get it. The good news is the coach got everyone else to go, and we found a way, and we were able to make up for their lack of playing. We are a stars-driven league, and our stars aren't getting it done. It's embarrassing. No one writes it. Write it. These guys are not good enough. They're not good enough for me. They're not good enough for the owner. And they're certainly not good enough for the general manager, who I can't speak for. But it's not good enough for the job he's done. But we've had meeting after meeting. The accountability on the ice is not there. These guys were signed to big contracts because they were the third and sixth leading scorers in the National Hockey League over the past five years. They get their money. We expect them to not be outplayed every game we play in. And if they were as good as they've been in the past, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I don't know. uh, It's not. Oh, no. It's not about the money. I don't resent the money. It's about what we expect the money to be. You can't win if your best players aren't your best players. And they aren't best players. I'm sick and tired of listening to bloggers talking about Brett Ritchie, Julius Honka, Gavin Brettmeyer, Taylor Faden. Pick a guy. We're just too good. The fans deserve more. The owner deserves more. And I share the opinion with the owner. The fans deserve better. And Ben and Sagan aren't getting it done. Until they do, we aren't good enough. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, these quotes get even spicier from there. Uh, l- literally, uh, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the the according to StatCast, uh Sagan and Ben are literally right under a point per game in terms of production. I don't know what he's talking about. But honestly, the the ranting coming from this was just too good. So here's some more more to happen. Uh, Sagan has hit more posts and crossbars combined than any other player in the NHL, but that's not an acceptable excuse according to Lights. He's hitting posts. That's what I say about hitting posts. Get a little bit closer to the action. Actually, go to the spot where you score goals. He doesn't do that. He never does that anymore. He used to be a pest to play against. People hated playing against Tyler Sagan. They don't anymore. I mean, he just keeps going and going. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Here's another one. I take a lesson from Bob Ganey. He said, you'd be really successful in this league if you never gave a bleep about being invited to a player's daughter's weddings And that's what I think. I don't give a bleep. I'm a year-to-year guy. And I'll be damned if a guy who has been good to me is Tom Gagliardi, the team's owner, as good to this franchise isn't getting results. And those players aren't getting it done. I'm telling you, we are going to run through a GM who does everything he can to make the team better because we aren't getting results. I mean, this was just wow. I mean, it's one thing. To say that we need to be better as a group. To specifically single out two guys who are your best players. Granted, no one put a gun to your head to sign Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn to massive contract extensions at the beginning of the year. Literally in the off season, Jamie Benn is now making $13 million a year for the next eight years. Tyler Sagan also signed an eight-year contract extension, which kicks in next season. That's worth over $78 million. So, again, when he says it's not about the money, it's always about the money. But no one put a gun to your head to offer those contract extensions. Now, when I objectively look at the Dallas Stars as a roster, it's a two-man team. The, there's no roster depth on this team the draft picks have been terrible the free agent signings have been terrible I, I mean they signed radulov which was actually the one good pickup they had but they didn't bring anybody else in i mean blake uh, they brought in blake como who i mean uh, i know most of you don't follow hockey but i'll be perfectly blunt blake como i'd be pissed the rangers put him on and the rangers are trying to tank this year It would be the obvious sign that the Rangers were trying to take if we signed Blake Como. I'll put it to you that way. So, here's here's where I come from. There's a big difference between voicing your frustrations and displeasures with your top players in public and going on an expletive-filled rant that makes you look like a clown. Because, guess what? Jim Light... Has now made himself universally famous in the sports world, and his front office the laughingstock of the NHL just because of the fact that you signed these guys to extensions in the offseason because you felt that you needed to compete against the best, and you and you paid handsomely for your top players from other teams that were lining up to sign them in free agency. Uh, well, uh, Ben was gonna uh, was about to uh, was an unrestricted free agent, so they uh, they kept him. They knew Sagan was going to be a free agent after this season, so they signed him to the extension. But you can't come out and then say that they're not leading when the the point production is barely off of league average. There are a ton of guys that are not producing at all in this league. It's such bush league to actually go this route. And, you know, the, the response so far has been that no one actually knows if... Lights actually contacted the coach or the GM to do this. This is the job of the actual people running the day-to-day affairs. The CEO of a team does not actually control, unless you're Jerry Jones. Like, you have absolutely no input over, like, a a CEO should not actually be stepping into day-to-day affairs of an actual sports team. This is so far and above, uh what is actually called for. This is why this is a national news story and why I had to leave the show off with it because clearly we've got a team that is so far out in the woods so, because not only did light say he was pissed off. He said the owner was pissed off. So if the owner was so pissed off and you actually thought you had a chance uh, to compete, clearly you have a, a, a just a distorted sense of reality. Because there is not a chance in hell that the Dallas Stars were ever going to compete for a Stanley Cup title this year. Not a chance with what they did. It's mind-boggling that they actually thought that this team was going to be good enough to make a cup run. Have you seen the actual teams that are in the Western Conference? You're not deeper than Nashville. You're not deeper than Vegas. You're barely... On the same level as uh, Colorado in terms of roster construction, and you pay significantly more for your team. If anything, the Dallas Stars should have blown up that roster and started over again. Instead, they tripled down on it, and now that they've got, now they're complaining because they're, uh, they they didn't think that they, uh, they were going to be as some top tier unit. It, it doesn't work that way. It's such a distorted sense of reality that I'm actually embarrassed that it, it came out this way because not only is it unfair to the players because guess what, Ben and Sagan could have gotten that money in the open market from other teams. They chose to be loyal to an organization, and they yeah they got paid handsomely, but they would have gotten that money offered elsewhere. It's not as though it was out of the realm of possibility like they could have dealt. to they could still trade Tyler Sagan. The problem is that now, because you've, you you have gaslit him in front of the national media, your trade value for Tyler Sagan just plummeted. Like, the contract extension doesn't kick in until next year. You could have traded Sagan to an actual uh, team and sort of rebuild that roster. It, it's just mind-boggling that you actually go this route. You know, if criticizing them in private wasn't working... You try to find some way of get of getting uh, certain players to help that they need elsewhere. Because, you know, the only way to get a, uh, a certain, sometimes you might need a different perspective. So maybe those players did need to move on. But public shaming is never the answer. It's honestly the telltale side that you don't know how to advance as a leader. But it's, uh, I mean, I talked about this with uh, Jose Mourinho multiple times at Manchester United, that he kept going this route of trying to humiliate everyone and just made himself look like a bigger fool in the process. So, you know, when I see comments like what Light's saying, I know he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because when he tries to say that this is the deepest team they've ever had, no one outside of the Dallas Stars' top line has 20 points. Like, to and we're almost halfway through the season in the NHL. Like, 20 points should be, like, baseline stuff. Like, this is rudimentary stuff. So, it, it's just comical. Absolutely comical that he went that overboard with his criticism of his players. Because, again, are they playing at superstar level? No. Are they that far off of superstar level? No. It, like it, like he took he he took something that could have been rectified with a scalpel and used a freaking machete to it. I mean, it, this is just such a hatchet job that there is not a chance in hell you're repairing this relationship. I, I, I mean, you call you call him bleeping horse bleep. I mean, I'm not even gonna cuss on it because it's like literally you can fill in the blanks. I, I I don't know how else to call this but Bush League it it's it's completely unprofessional anyway let's get right down to it because we, we got a lot to talk about so uh first off let's talk about some Premier League action you know I, I alluded to this before but uh you know there's a shifting of the guard here because there's a potential for Liverpool to be holding serve again. Uh, Because, you know, people are talking up Liverpool being at the top of the Premier League. And, you know, just being perfectly honest here. uh, You know, Liverpool has uh, a chance here to really put some distance uh, between themselves and Manchester City. Because Man City has got to uh, rectify themselves. They got to go over to Southampton. But, uh, I mean... Uh, in terms of the matchups today for uh, Premier League, as Man City plays tomorrow, uh, the key matchup today for Premier League is Liverpool versus Arsenal. Uh, Liverpool obviously playing at home in Anfield. Arsenal, I- I'll be perfectly honest, as an Arsenal fan, Arsenal's going to get rolled today. You know, to me, this is one of the easiest bets of the weekend. Like, the the only bet that's easier than picking Liverpool to smash Arsenal... Because the uh, the uh, the money line is um, about uh, mi- minus uh, two eighty uh, to three hundred for Liverpool. I, I mean it. You know, yes, it's a heavy favor for Liverpool, but like that's easy money. Like the the goal line differential is minus one and a half, so you're expecting Liverpool to win by two goals. I think that's easily doable. I think Liverpool's going to score at least three goals today. I I think they could easily score uh, four goals. So just because of how bad Arsenal's back line is, like, Arsenal's going to get exposed today. Uh, there, There's not a doubt in my mind about that. So, uh, when I look at these matchups, I, I'm just looking at them being uh, as clear as can be. Like, Manchester City is not making up points this weekend. Arsenal's not coming to Anfield and actually winning. It's like, uh, you know, I, I know my fellow Gooners are going to be mad at me for saying how badly we're going to get spanked, but there's... Like, looking at this objectively, there's not a chance in hell that Arsenal's actually going to do anything today. I mean, they may score a goal or two, but they're going to leak so many goals in the back because Liverpool's just going to control the middle of the field and they're going to go run up and down straight at our defenders who can't actually defend anything. You know, it it really is that simple. Uh, You know, I can try to sugarcoat it, but I'd be wasting my time. I mean, the only question here today is... If uh, Spurs drop any points uh, playing Wolves, because, uh, you know, as uh, some of you may know, Spurs do not still do not have their newly built stadium yet. Uh, they're, they're running into construction issues and money issues, but that's an entirely different matter and a story for another time. But, you know, uh, Spurs playing Wolves today, I expect Spurs to win. Although this is the uh, the crunch time period where uh, you got a bunch of games and uh, the ho- holiday uh, fixtures where you're playing, you know, two three games in a single week, basically in the Premier League and Spurs is one of the thinnest rosters there is. So you know, I look at Spurs and I have my concerns because you know they're they're playing a tough Wolves squad and I like Wolves, but like on the heels of that. Uh, you know they uh, Spurs plays Wolves uh, at home today, but then uh, for their next matchup, they got to travel to Cardiff, and Cardiff, uh, you know Cardiff can't score, but it's one of those games where uh, Spurs could easily slip up, and you know right after that, uh, you know they they get a little bit of a break, and then they play Manchester United, uh, but you know. It's just one of those periods where Spurs are playing so many games that I feel as though Spurs is due to drop points. I just don't know. It's like, again, I can't objectively say that any of the teams that they're playing against are better than they are. They're not. It's just the fact that Spurs seems to be such a... I mean, it's not that there's not talent there. It's just that... The financial difficulties that Spurs operate under, they have a thinner roster than uh, Man City by far. They remind me very much of the issues Liverpool used to have uh, in the first few years that uh, Jurgen Klopp had where he didn't really trust his uh, roster depth and he didn't rotate out players, so he kept playing the same players over and over and they burnt themselves out over the second, uh, second half of the year. I see a lot of that in Spurs, just because of injuries and the fact that they didn't really buy anyone o- over the transfer window, and I and it doesn't look like they're going to buy anyone uh, in the January transfer window either. So I I have my concerns there. So like in terms of uh, some of the fixtures, again, uh, you know the big matchup uh, being uh, Ar- Ars- uh, Arsenal playing uh, in Anfield against Liverpool. I just think that uh, Liverpool's going to smoke them. And then, uh, obviously, you've got uh, uh, Spurs hosting Wolves. Uh, That's the other big matchup for Premier League. I I still expect Spurs to win the game, but it wouldn't shock me if they ended up having a draw and dropping points at home that they really need to keep up in the title race. It's just one of those things that, you know, I I just look at this Spurs team and I, I just... I have my doubts. I really do have my doubts about them long-term stability-wise. Man City, I don't worry about as much just because they—they're trying to get their guys back into it. So when losing—losing uh, uh, losing the other day, you know, yes, it was surprising uh, to see them lose against Leicester City, but you know, part of it is that they got to work those guys back into the rotation, and you know, chemistry was just off. It's like sometimes. That happens, and yeah, the defense isn't where where it needs to be right now. But uh, I I still look at it as a case where uh, Man City is still the team to beat. It's just that Liverpool's up right now, and the Liverpool's on, playing on a high. And you know, anything can happen in the Premier League. But um, that's uh that'll do it uh for Premier League. Let's say uh, let's get into it with the N uh well, well we'll get into the NFL in a bit, but uh, let's talk a little college football because. Uh, we we've get, we've got the uh the main college football playoff games coming up uh plus we we got to talk about a couple of these other bowl games uh as well just cuz uh you know it's it's becoming more and more of a you know i i heard i heard the word epidemic being used and you know it's comical because what drives me nuts is the fact that People are now blaming college athletes for actually taking responsibility for their careers, knowing that playing in these meaningless bowl games does not help them in terms of getting into the NFL. You know, it, it, it's it really is just bothersome to me that uh, you know college students are getting blamed. For you know, taking agency over their uh, their careers moving forward. Because if you have a chance to actually make it to the NFL, why would you play in college uh, college bowl games if you're not in the playoff? It it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So uh, so uh, to preface that, uh, today at noon we got the Chick fil A Peach Bowl between Michigan and Florida. Michigan is uh is gonna be without four Florida defensive starters, uh for the uh for this bowl game. And, you know, because of that, I, I look at this as a game where, you know, as much as Florida struggles on offense, I actually think Florida's gonna pull off the upset as a touchdown underdog because of the fact that so many of the Michigan starters are missing. But I'm not gonna blame the Michigan's uh players for sitting out of this game. Why are you bothering Again, if you're that talented and Michigan's strength was its defense this year, why would you waste time in a college bowl game where you could cause uh, get a serious injury that would... And it's happened numerous times. Not everybody in college football has the money to pay for an insurance policy to cover themselves in case of an injury. Plus... The other issue with even that, if it happens, there are certain clauses in, in the church policies. It only protects you against certain things. It doesn't necessarily protect you as much from a complete drop in draft stock. So uh, Jalen Smith getting injured not too long ago for Michigan in a bowl game cost him from being a first-round pick to a second-round pick, which I will never forgive Jerry Reese for, When the Giants should have drafted him, the Cowboys got him, and now Jalen Smith's a pro bowler. But he will never make the pro bowl money that he should have made if he was a top 10 pick, which he would have been if he didn't blow out his knee in a bowl game. That didn't really matter. You know, again, there are way too many. I I mean, I could cite case after case of this happening. So, again, I keep hearing this on ESPN bitching about college players sitting out. When it's one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard of. Because, again, no one's uh, paying their bills when they actually get injured. Because, you know, we know these colleges do not care about these players beyond that bowl game. It's not happening. Anyway, now with that uh, commentary out of the way, let's talk about the Cotton Bowl. Which is the first college football semifinal between Clemson and Notre Dame. This is the easiest bet of the weekend. I talked about Arsenal getting smoked by Liverpool as being the second easiest bet of the weekend. This is the first. Notre Dame has absolutely zero business being in the college football playoff. Notre Dame, without question, is the weakest team in the college football playoff. Oklahoma is legitimately better than Notre Dame. Yet Notre Dame's ranked number three in the college football playoff. Why? Because somehow, because they scraped by undefeated against the weakest schedule out of anyone in the top 10. Like, we, it, it was a weaker schedule than UCF. So let me preface this by saying, I'm not entirely sure that Notre Dame could beat UCF straight up. UCF played a harder schedule than Notre Dame did this year. But somehow, because Notre Dame was able to scrape by the likes of USC and Pitt. Notre Dame gets the benefit of the doubt and it's in this playoff game. Clemson, despite losing Dexter Lawrence due to a positive drug test sample, Clemson will still smoke Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame breaks 10 points this game. I think Clemson's defense shuts down uh, uh, Brooke, uh, ah, Book. And I think they shut down the the Irish run game. I don't think that there's any scenario outside of the refs completely fixing this game uh, for Notre Dame, which is entirely possible because it's Notre Dame. But I, I don't think Ian Book can throw. Uh, Ian Book has not faced a defense this athletic, and Dexter Williams has not faced a uh, defensive front line this athletic and physical like Clemson. Like no I don't see where Notre Dame's actually generating any offense in this game. I know Clemson can score on Notre Dame. Because I've seen team after team score points against Notre Dame's defense. Like, this vaunted defense can give up points because you can throw on them and you can run on them. Like, the fact of the matter is is that Notre Dame has given up points to teams that are well below Clemson's level. Clemson's going to put up points on them. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, the fact that I've had more than a handful of people tell me how Notre Dame's going to win this game... And I just can't help but laugh in their face. I'm trying not to be a dick about it, but I'll be perfectly honest. Like this is this is easy money here. So I'm gonna clean up. Uh, Clemson's an 11 half point favorite. I'll take. I'll, I'll I'll lay the points. I'm betting it square on Clemson. I I will be quite happy when I cash uh, cash in on all these bets on Clemson because it's not gonna be that close. I I think you can do a teaser and still have Clemson. Uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, cash in big. I, I just think that Clemson's going to win this one by at least 20. I don't see Notre Dame getting past 10 points in this game. It's like, this to me reminds me of when Clemson was playing Ohio State, only even more lopsided because this Irish team is worse than Ohio State was uh, last year. Like, this is not close. This is not a close matchup. It's like, I'm tired of people trying to... Sell me on how this is going to be a close game. It's not. Anyway, moving on to the Orange Bowl with Alabama and Oklahoma. This is another lopsided matchup. Alabama is clearly better than Oklahoma and any other team that you could have thrown up on there. The only team Alabama is not demonstrably better than is Clemson. So, you know, this is kind of a moot point, but the only way Oklahoma covers this game is is if somehow the refs get involved and just allow Oklahoma to get a backdoor cover because there's, there's not a chance that Oklahoma's defense is keeping two attack of Viola out of the end zone multiple times. Like literally Alabama's going to be able to run. They're going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, Like to me, this is not close. This is not close. I I think Alabama easily breaks uh, 40 points in this game. You know, yeah, Oklahoma could get some garbage time points, but this game will not be close either. Like, Alabama is a 14 and a half point favorite, and I'm tempted to lay the points because, again, these matchups are not close. Clemson and Alabama should meet up. Uh, you know, Alabama's going to win. I, I, I said that from the outset. I don't see anyone beating Alabama, but at least Clemson can make this a close game. Because you know the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that uh, you know, uh, you know, Alabama has been favored by double digits in every game this season. It's ridiculous, but Alabama really is that good. So you know, I, I kind of look at this and say that for college football, you know, you can do a parlay, take Alabama on the money line, take Clemson on the money line. You can bet three hundred bucks on these two teams on the money line. You're still going to cash. It's like, to me, I'm that confident in these matchups. It's not close. It's really not that close, folks. Don't overthink this one. It's not that close between uh, these clubs. It it really isn't. Clemson and and Alabama are that much better than anyone else in the college football playoff this year that you're going to slot into the matchup. The only team that would have been close would have been Georgia, but Georgia still comes up short to these two teams. So that's all I have to say there. Uh, Let's keep moving along because we can talk about the NFL and also I got to get into some UFC talk as well with the return of uh, John Bones Jones to the Octagon. Alright, so let's get right down to it. UFC 232 is uh, here. It's being uh, held in LA tonight instead of usual Las Vegas. Why is it not being held in Las Vegas? Because the feature attraction, John Bones Jones... Fighting for the light heavyweight title, it was not clear to fight in Las Vegas because of a possible positive drug test that was overturned. Yet, there's dispute about how it was overturned because he still tested pos- uh, positive for a pictogram of a uh, performance enhancing drug called turbine, but the pictogram. Uh, was described as less than, uh, less than what would qualify for any kind of performance enhancement. Yet there's no explanation as to how it ended up in his system to begin with. Believe me, I tried looking this up to figure out the details, but long story short, John Jones is cleared to fight, just not in Las Vegas because Las Vegas still thought the drug test was a little bit, uh, Fishy from what uh, USADA uh, and the and the actual appeal from the Jones camp came up with. So for those of you who forgot, uh, the last time John Jones fought was for the light heavyweight title a little over a year ago when he defeated Daniel Cormier. That victory was overturned because of uh, the fact that John Jones tested positive for Turbine in the first place. So. Like, again, the same positive drug test was overturned. It's just that the result of the Cormier fight wasn't re-overturned to being a victory for John Jones. It's very confusing. Um, but, uh, long story short, Jones was uh, was cleared to fight tonight. But, Las Vegas would not clear Jones to fight. Which is why the UFC had to scramble to move the entire pay-per-view From Las Vegas to LA to actually hold the pay-per-view because, again, they didn't want to lose their top pay-per-view fight. Now, you're going to be asking, why is John Jones fighting for the light heavyweight title and he's not fighting Cormier, he's fighting Alexander Gustafson? Because Daniel Cormier, the current light heavyweight champion, has decided to give up his title rather than be stripped of it because Cormier has already stated that he plans to retire in March of 2019 and does not plan on fighting at light heavyweight any further. So, instead of the Jones rematch for Jones-Cormier 3, which Jones technically has won twice, but one doesn't count now, so it's very, very confusing, uh, We <laughs> we got... We we gotta talk uh we, we got this matchup between John Jones and Alexander Gustafson, which is a rematch of their twenty fifteen fight where many people thought Gustafson won the fight. I disagree. I think John Jones still clearly won that fight against Gustafson. But um you know, it's uh it's very much uh, a question as to what do we really want to be dealing with? Because, you know, uh, the, the, the issue, the issue really is here is that we've got a title fight between two guys that weren't necessarily, uh, in the title picture, to be honest, and we don't actually have, uh, the, uh, uh, they, uh, they, they did, they didn't actually want to, uh. Schedule another Cormier fight because Cormier was already planning to retire and had already moved up to heavyweight. So you know they 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 could have handled this so many different ways. You know the the the, the problem is is that uh, it's uh it's the it's the fact that um you know the UFC has basically you know been kind of playing a shell game here because you know they can they can try to spin this any which way they want like John Jones still tested possible uh positive for Turnbull I mean it is still a performance enhancing drug I mean they keep using these terms as to like it's a grain of salt and a notion but it's still a performance enhancing drug like I don't I really have a tough time rationalizing this fight because again John Jones, tested positive. I, I I mean, I don't know what else I can say about this. I mean, John Jones is a minus 240 favorite, and just from a betting standpoint, I would still bet on John Jones because of the fact that, you know, uh, John Jones is the better fighter. He's uh, he's a more well-rounded fighter. Gustafson's a striker. John Jones can take down Alexander Gustafson and, uh, 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 just pound him into strikes and submit him. And like, John Jones has more ways of beating Alexander Gustafson. And John Jones all but admitted that the first time he fought Gustafson, he was so into the party lifestyle. And we know this because John Jones also tested positive for uh, many other uh, uh, drugs in his system uh, that were not performance enhancing, just party drugs because he was just in that kind of lifestyle of being a jackass. You know, this was before he hit a pregnant woman with his car, but you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say hit a pregnant woman, got into a vehicular accident with a pregnant woman and fled the scene. Uh, Like I said, John Jones, not exactly a boy scout, but you know, again, this was before John Jones was testing positive for performance enhancing drugs. You know, this is just, you know, a miserable way of spinning a fight. I, I, I can't, again, I can't say this enough. John Jones is going to win the light heavyweight title, and I don't have any other way of saying it that John Jones is technically a cheater. Like, you can try to spin it any way, which way you want, but like. It's two positive drug tests. Like, come on, man. It's two positive uh, performance-enhancing drug tests. Like, I I don't know how else I could say that. You know, and he doesn't need to cheat. That's the thing. He's the most gifted guy. Really, he's the most gifted guy in terms of his skill set. He's better than Cormier. He really doesn't need to cheat. I, I don't understand this. But it is what it is. So, we got that main event. We have the other main event, which I will actually watch. Uh, you know, I'm watching the pay-per-view, but the, like, the one I'm actually watching it for is the women's matchup between uh, Christina Justino Cyborg. Uh, uh, Christiane Justino Cyborg. She called literally changed her last name to Cyborg. <laughs> but uh, uh, Christiane Justino, uh, nicknamed Cyborg, but try to change your last name to chris cyborg but believe me you can't make this stuff up um chris cyborg facing off against amanda nunez who is the uh uh so uh basically uh you've got two champions in the uh women's division uh i mean nunez is the bantamweight champion uh you got uh, cyborg who is the featherweight champion? And you know, featherweight is higher in terms of uh, of the weight division. So, like, uh, basically, you've got Nunez uh, fighting at 145 pounds. She's she's normally the uh, the 135 pound champion, uh, but you've got the two best strikers in women's MMA right now fighting, and this is an exciting fight. You know. A lot of folks think that Nunez is uh, fighting uh, too far up in her uh, weight class and is going to be outclassed. I actually think it's it's the opposite. I I think this is a case where Cyborg's in danger here because Nunez is is uh, has got better range and is the faster fighter. She's the more technical striker. So even though Nunez, you know, yes, she has more losses. Cyborg hasn't been defeated in thirteen years. Cyborg's got more mileage, and I thought Cyborg was, uh, like, when she couldn't finish Holly Holm, because Holly Holm, like, realistically, Cyborg, a couple of years ago, would have finished her. And I just have, I have my doubts that Cyborg is is at the peak uh, of where she uh, she was in the past. I, I, I don't think she's there anymore. I think she's, uh, you know, she's still not quite... Uh, I, I wouldn't say she's fallen off and, and completely lost. Himself. I just don't think she's in a prime and Nunes is in her prime. So, you know, when you've got two dominant fighters, I tend to lean towards the fighter who's in their prime. And I, I just think that's Nunes. So, you know, I'm watching this pay-per-view. And I'm very excited for this fight because I think there's a lot of fireworks. I don't, I'd be shocked that this thing goes past third round just because of how good of a striker they both are. I just think that this is a case where, you know, uh, it's it's a situation where we're going to get a fun fight. And that's the one I would like to focus on rather than Jones versus Gustafson. Because, again, uh, John Jones should win that fight. I I just, you know, I have a real tough time supporting (laughs) John Jones being awarded the Light Heavyweight Championship. Because I know he's the best fighter, but... You know, you can't be, you can't be tested positive for drugs before a major fight. Like, you know what, I'm going to get off this point because, you know, I'm I'm already like uh, uh, finding myself repeating the exact same point over and over again. So uh, I'm going to let that go. Let's get into the NFL uh, because we got the craziness that is week 17 upon us. We got a number of uh, title—I uh, mean, not title—but uh, playoff clinching scenarios for a number of teams. Uh, the Sunday night game is going to feature the Colts and Titans in, in a win or go home situation. Colts are going to win that one, but we'll get—we'll get, we'll get into the spread picks a bit later and and talk about uh, talk about what uh, what's going on because uh, you know, again, so, some of these things are are going to be a bit different, so. Uh, let, let, let's uh, let's uh, let's get into it. So, in terms of the one o'clock matchups, uh, those are the ones that don't necessarily have as much writing on them. So, these are the t- games that are going to be tougher to kind of pick out to figure out what's uh, what's the most logical way of going about it. Because, like I said, you know, I have a tough time uh, making a case here for a number of these teams, but. We're gonna get we're gonna give it the old college try and figure this one out. All right, so uh, without much further ado, let's get into week seventeen. First up, we have the Jets who will be firing, and you know we're we're I'll, I'll talk about this uh, uh, probably on Monday, uh, but uh, you know it, it's gonna be the Jets uh, firing their head coach Ty Bowles. So. Final game's gonna be at uh, like traveling to New England. New England's a thirteen and a half point favorite. You know, I I have a real tough time figuring this game out because you know the Pats can lock up a bye uh, in the number two seed uh, for the playoffs with a win here. The Pats have not been very good on offense, and I don't know when it's gonna click in. Where, you know, they're going to feed the ball to Edelman. They're going to get Gronk involved. They're going to run the ball with uh, Sonny Michel. It, it's, it's been very herky-jerky. So, like, there's nothing that I've seen from the Patriots that gives me confidence. Even though they're playing Foxborough. I know they're going to win this game. I just don't know if they can win by two touchdowns or more. That's the, the, the problem I have with this game. And it's a division rival. Like, it's Bulls' last game. Yeah. You know, I don't know if the, the players have quit on the Jets, but I do know that Sam Darnold's playing better. You know, it, it's a case where I think the Jets' offense isn't going to be absolutely dreadful, even though I don't tr- necessarily trust anyone on that offense. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big Robbie Anderson fan. Uh, Her did shows some flashes. Uh, you know, again, Sam Darnold looks good in spots, other times looks absolutely dreadful, but you know that it's he's a rookie, so those things tend to happen. I just think it's kind of ridiculous that Todd Bowles is getting run out of town by Jets fans when, you know you've been riding the wave of Fitzmagic you, you kick the tires on Josh McCown, who's absolutely terrible and now he finally gets a rookie quarterback and now all of a sudden he's supposed to uh, take this team to the next level. Like I, I don't, I don't get Jets fans. I really don't. I mean, if you if you've got an upgrade in mind at a, as a head coach, if you can get a hardball, if the Steelers are dumb enough to fire Mike Tomlin, which I keep hearing these stories, which would be absolutely insane. Yeah, you make that move, but only if you can get those guys. And the Jets haven't actually shown that they can land a big name head coach since Bill Parcells. And that was a very special situation. So, I, I, I have my doubts here with the Jets. I really do. I I, I don't really get the whole Jets situation. But, you know, I'll take the Jets here as the underdog, you know, with the points. It, I just don't like New England being able to cover two touchdowns. I, I think that's a bit too high of a spread. Moving on, we're going to have Jacksonville travel to Houston. The Jags have given up. Like, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, the Jags basically have a player mutiny on their hands. Jalen Jalen Ramsey's uh, all but AWOL. Uh, We've got stories coming out about about Leonard Fournette. Like, the Jags situation, and and those of you who have been listening to podcasts know that I've been ripping the Jags since the preseason like I I never believed in this team I thought it was a fluke run that they had last year and everyone kept saying that like you know I'm 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 downgrading Blake Bortles that much but like there were other issues on that team but precisely the biggest issue was there was no way that offense as basic as it was was capable of repeating that same success I couldn't there's no way I could believe that because it's just not a sustainable model uh, in the NFL. Teams adjust. And, like, the Jags, to me, never quite caught on to the fact that they're, 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 they're you know what, stank and they didn't do anything to rectify it in the off season. And, you know, I thought Kirk Cousins might have been the answer. That would have been an even bigger disaster based off of, and we'll get to Minnesota later, but, you know, the. The Jags need to do something. They didn't do anything, and they're paying the price for it. It's just that, you know, I, I just have a lot of doubt as to what made a whole lot of sense. But, um, yeah, you know, as much as I rip on Bill O'Brien and the Texans, because the Texans still don't play a complete game like they should. They really don't. The Jags have given up. So there's no point in trying to take the Jags here in the points. I'm taking Houston at 7.5 because... Again, they're they're playing against competitions that's not actually trying hard. So uh, I, I'm I'm ta- I'm, ta- I'm taking Houston here, and I'm not regretting the decision because, like I said, you know they are just not even trying. They really aren't trying the Jags. I mean that game against Washington <laughs> told you all you needed to know about the Jags. So uh, let's keep moving. Next up, a battle of. Two coaches who should get fired. And two teams that have woefully underachieved the entire season. You got the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Tampa Bay. You know, I, I kind of look at this as a game where, you know, this is a complete and utter crapshoot. It wouldn't surprise me if Tampa won this game. wouldn't it surprise me if Atlanta won this game. Is basically a pick 'em contest no matter what sports book you go into. So I've seen some lines where uh, Tampa's favored by half a point. I've seen it go the other way where Atlanta's favored by half a point. No one really knows what the hell to make make of this game. Neither team has anything to play for. Dirk Cutter, uh, the coach of the Buccaneers, is likely to get fired after the game. Uh, You know even fire like immediately after the game before it even gets to Black Monday. Um you know, Atlanta Dan Quinn has done less with more than just about any other coach in the league. He keeps getting passes. Like Atlanta was in the Super Bowl two years ago, but if you look at the long and short of it, that was on the work of Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. You know, since Shanahan has departed You know, they barely squeaked into the playoffs last year. Lost a game that they should have won against Philly. Like, Nick Foles was absolutely dreadful in that playoff game that Philly won that Atlanta just screwed the pooch on because they couldn't get the ball to Julio Jones. And then this year, you know, yeah, people are going to say they had injuries, but every team has injuries. Like, the Falcons just basically used that as, as an excuse to just phone in an entire year because, yes, the defense had injuries, but the offense, like, had games where they just did not show up at all. At all. They just phoned in games. And there were multiple cases of that happening. So, like, there were, like, plenty of squeeze spots for fantasy purposes where the, the Falcons just dropped the ball on everyone. So, it you know, I have nothing good to say about either coach or, or either team. is, uh, you know, And Atlanta has a roster that should be so much more than what they actually do with it. It's embarrassing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll take Atlanta just because they're the better team. But, you know, Tampa winning would not surprise me in the least. I actually kind of like uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for fantasy purposes. I'll get into the lineups tomorrow uh, because, you know, with it w- being week 17, there's so many injury news that has yet to be announced yet, that it's it's going to be another cluster you-know-what, because, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm going to end up flip-flopping my lineups, like, constantly on Sunday, and it's going to drive me absolutely insane, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get into it now. Um, let's keep going. Uh, Miami traveling to Buffalo... The Bills should win this game just because the Bills are playing hard. Miami is ready for vacation. They've already got their bags packed. You know, they are leaving for the airport as soon as the game ends. Uh, I'm taking the Bills here, you know, uh, laying the three and a half. Uh, It doesn't matter. They're going to win this game. It'll be an ugly game. Um, But, you know, Josh Allen would probably be one of my tournament punts at QB just because Miami is so... Lack of days playing any sense of defense that I, I think uh, you know Buffalo should have a good day uh, regardless. So um, what else do we have? Oh God, there are so many bad games on today. Uh, well, tomorrow, but um, oh man, jeez, it's <laughs> uh, just looking at some of these games. Detroit, Green Bay. Oh God. Oh. God, (laughs) man, it's like I'm struggling for some of these one o'clock games because, like, the less said about them, the better. Uh, I mean, Detroit has phoned it in for months now. Uh, Green Bay is phoning it in as we speak. The only thing here is the possibility of uh, Devontae Adams breaking the single-season receiving record for the Packers. Uh, That's about it. Uh, You know, Aaron Rodgers... Kept playing last week against the Jets. Presumably to help Adams fulfill that goal. Uh, because realistically the the Packers had no reason to keep playing against the Jets uh, last week. And they kept doing it. So I'm taking the Packers minus 7.5. Just because, you know, it's there. But like both of these teams have pat- mailed it in. It's like it's not even worth talking about. Um, New Orleans hosting Carolina. New Orleans already locked up the overall number one seed. Drew Brees is not playing. Teddy Bridgewater is starting. Kamara is likely not to play. Same with Mark Ingram. Like, the New Orleans is basically going to be benching everyone. So, I have issues taking New Orleans. But, like, part of the problem is that Carolina, with all their injuries, I don't see Carolina playing Christian McCaffrey that much. You know, I, I really don't know what to make of this. I really don't know what to make of this game. It's such a mess of a game because one team's got absolutely nothing to play for. The other team has everything to play for down the road, so they're not going to want to play their starters. So it's a mess of a game. So, you know, coin flip that one. Yeah, I could take uh, New Orleans' uh, lame points. I'm just staying away from this in general for betting. If you have to bet it for a pick's pool... I guess you could take New Orleans, but honestly, I don't know what to make of this game because so many guys are going to be in and out of this uh of this game tomorrow that it's really hard to forecast it. And then the final one o'clock game, thankfully, it's going to be a real rough one o'clock period for NFL football tomorrow. Uh, I I I'm I'm not going to mince words. It's going to be bad. Um, my Giants will be hosting the Cowboys. Will also be resting starters, no matter how much they say they won't be resting starters. The Vegas line keeps inching higher and higher for the Giants. Uh, It's over seven points now. Uh, It's seven. uh, It's the Giants laying seven and a half. Um, You know, people aren't expecting uh, Ezekiel Elliott to play. They think Dak Prescott's going to rest. Here's the one thing I'll say about this game. The Giants are too unreliable to actually be counted upon to win a game by two scores because they still have the worst fourth quarter defense in the league. They still have a head coach who's a terrible play caller but insists on play calling. There's nothing about the Giants this season that has validated anything other than we made a terrible hire as a head coach and... We had personnel problems that could have been rectified if we had a head coach who was better qualified at addressing those problems. There is nothing about this Giants team that gives me any hope for next year. The only thing I can hope for is that with a high enough draft pick, we can trade it down and get some more offensive linemen because the Giants desperately need to protect whoever the quarterback's going to be. You know, Drafting a QB to replace Eli Manning next year is going to be pointless. Because the offensive line is still going to be piss poor. Like there's no there's no sugarcoating it. Like the offensive line is a raging dumpster fire. It's gotten better, but it's still one of the worst, the def- uh, worst offensive lines in the league. It, you know, you could say what you want about it. It's still not any good. So again, I don't have anything nice to say about the one o'clock games, but. I'll take the Cowboys, uh, given points because, again, this should play into the narrative of the Giants being incapable of just looking at gift horse in the mouth. I want the Giants to lose this game, but there are Giants fans that I know that are going to be there and they're expecting the Giants to beat Dallas for some reason just to say they got to win over a division rival. You know, it's pointless to me, but, you know. I'm not going to tell people how they should think. I'm just not. But, um, yeah, I think the Giants will win this one and screw themselves out of a top 10 draft pick. Uh, But I think the Cowboys still cover this game because the Giants' fourth quarter defense and the defense as a whole in general has been terrible this year. I just think that the Cowboys do a backdoor cover and, you know, they cover this game. All right. So let's get into the 425 games because that's where... We actually have real playoff implications involved. Uh, The first scenario being Philadelphia traveling to Washington. Philadelphia is a six and a half point favorite. Nick Foles is a terrible QB. I, 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 you know, everyone keeps talking about Nick Foles, Nick Foles, Nick Foles. But realistically, this is about the Eagles actually pulling their head out of their ass and actually playing hard again. And, you know, again, humbling themselves to realize that you know last year was last year they have to actually play hard if they're gonna win games in the NFL it, it took it took them well into the season to actually realize that and realistically they should be eliminated from the playoffs but I'll get into Minnesota because you know again I'll, I'll talk about the my issues with the Vikings uh, but Philly has a chance to make it to the playoffs as the six seed if they get a win against the Redskins and Minnesota loses against Chicago. I know people think that Chicago is going to bench all their starters and uh, Minnesota is going to uh, win that game, but uh, I'll get to that one in a bit. Uh, Philly, I think, is going to take care of business against Washington. Josh Johnson is, again, a journeyman QB that even though Philly's secondary is weak, They've got enough game tape on Josh Johnson. They know he's not going to be able to throw the ball deep. So, the way to beat Philly's secondary is throw the ball deep. The intermediate routes, you can actually uh, they're actually decent enough uh, to patrol. I, I just can't see Washington doing much on offense. Uh, and the fact that even though I don't like Nick Foles, he can manage an offense. So, he'll, he'll be able to at least uh, get things moving. Uh... On offense, and like I said, Washington's not gonna do anything on offense, so this is an easy game. Philly's gonna take it uh there's no doubt about that. Seattle hosting Arizona this one's another one that doesn't mean anything uh I could easily see Seattle voting this one in um basically, Seattle is locked into playing the Cowboys in Dallas. So, I think they'll be resting starters. Uh, Arizona's terrible, though. So, I have a hard time laying points with Seattle, but I'm going to do it just because at 8.5, I think the Seahawks can still win this game by 10 points, even though that they'll rest starters because Arizona's that bad. Josh Rosen turns the ball over at an alarming rate. I don't really know what else you can do with him Really, uh, so I, I just kind of see that as a situation where, you know, I think Seattle wins this game. I, I just, I just do. Uh, I think they win, and I think they cover. Uh, even though they'll rest starters in the in the second half, it, it to me this screams, you know, awful team playing playoff team, and that's just the way it is. Moving on, we've got. The Chargers traveling to Denver, who will be firing head coach. Uh, Chargers two-and-a-half-point favorites. I see absolutely nothing from Denver coming in this game. I will probably play some Chargers defense in my DFS lineups, all things considered. Uh, no Phillip Lindsay for the Broncos, as Lindsay fractured his wrists and needs surgery, so he's done for the year. I don't see anything being done by Denver uh, you know, even with the Chargers uh, potentially resting players. Uh, but the Chargers still have a chance of winning the AFC West if, for some reason, Kansas City drops uh, to Oakland. Uh, I don't see it happening, but, you know, it's always a possibility. Um, I, I just think this is a this is a wrap for the Chargers. Uh, I'll play Chargers defense. I don't think I'll play any of the offensive players for the Chargers just because I think this is one of those games where the defense just controls the game, and the Chargers basically use cruise control. The Chargers really shouldn't be running Melvin Gordon. I mean, honestly, I just pound Justin Jackson. The Chargers don't need to do anything fancy here. So, again, uh, I just think that this is a cakewalk for the Chargers. Just keep it simple. Don't do not do anything crazy and uh, move on from there. Moving on. Uh, speaking of which, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, at home playing the Raiders, Raiders just playing out the string. I don't see anything coming from the Raiders. The only reason why I would take the Raiders in a pick's pool uh, would be that the line being over 14 points, it's a big number. um, And, you know, the Chiefs could just pull starters at halftime being up big, so the Raiders could always do a backdoor cover. To me, it's just not worth it. The only thing I see the Chiefs playing for, uh, you know, obviously uh, they'll get the overall buy in the AFC but uh, and win the AFC West, but the other thing is is that, you know, I could see the Chiefs kind of playing it out just so Mahomes gets uh, to 50 touchdown passes and wraps up the MVP award, which, again, uh, you've heard my rant on this. Mahomes is the MVP. Like, this is not a close race at all. Like, Drew Brees, like, again, this is not a close race, and I love Drew Brees. I really would like for Drew Brees to win an MVP award, but like to put a co MVP with Pat Mahomes would be criminal to Pat Mahomes. He's been that much better than every other QB in the league this year. Like, Mahomes is legitimately a lock every single week. So, you know, again, uh, uh, they are... I mean, they are the most explosive offense, and Mahomes is the key to it. So, again, I I just look at it like this is a a game where the Chiefs are going to win this game. I'm just not sure what the final score is going to end up being because we could easily see the Chiefs resting starters at halftime. Uh, Next matchup, uh, the Rams hosting San Francisco. Exact same scenario. The Rams could be up so big at halftime that they rest starters the rest of the way through. Uh, I, I just don't know what to make of how it's going to play out uh i think the rams are just going to pound cj anderson in the second half and i think cj anderson's definitely going to be in pretty much all my uh, dfs builds uh because Gurley's sitting out the uh, the game they already made that announcement early um so i i just look at this as a case where uh the rams just take care of business I just don't know. Uh, the Rams are nine and a half point favorites. I'm just not sure, again, what the final score is going to be. I'm going to take the Rams because that's a smaller line than what the uh, Chiefs have to cover. Um, it's just that, um, you know, uh, you know, we just don't know when the starters are going to uh, start getting rest. Anyway, uh, getting to the main matchups of the afternoon slate, uh, you've got Baltimore hosting Cleveland in a game that, you know, the Ravens have to win and they're in the playoffs. If They lose and the Steelers win. The Ravens are out. The Steelers get uh, win the AFC North. You know, I look at this game and just say that Baltimore should win this game. The only way Baltimore loses this game is if somehow there's, like, a fumble on offense and because Lamar Jackson has been prone to fumbling the football it's just that with the Ravens being such a run dominant team, Cleveland is not good at stopping the run. They're gonna give up gashes of yards uh, to Baltimore the entire day. So, like to me, Lamar Jackson, if you want to play a differential play at QB, besides Big Ben or Patrick Mahomes, you you can play Lamar Jackson. Um, my preference is probably on Josh Allen, just because you know the Dolphins have quit, uh, but you know it, it it can go either way so um it, it, it's a game where I I just look at, at at this as Baltimore has everything to play for they're going to go for it uh you know they lost uh they they missed out on the playoffs last year because they lost a win you your in scenario to the Bengals this is why Joe Flacco's not the QB anymore because to me, when the uh, when the Bengals beat the Ravens last year, the the Ravens were so flat with Flacco at QB. It was embarrassing. And then when they tried to get it started, it was too late. Uh, you know, I just don't see that happening uh, uh, with Lamar Jackson. I think they're going to put it to the Browns early and they're going to turn over Baker Mayfield. I don't see Baker Mayfield stealing this game from Baltimore. I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Play way too well. I, I I'm taking the Ravens, laying the points at five, five and a half. You know, may, maybe I get beat on a backdoor gut cover, uh, but um, you know, I I just like the Ravens in this one. I I just do. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it, it's uh, it's just uh, too too much preference on the Ravens defense, but I I just think that they take care of business at home, and I think the Steelers go home. Uh, speaking of which, was uh, the Steelers playing the Bengals? I think the Steelers wallop the Bengals and watch helplessly as they pound the Bengals but realize that the Ravens are going to make it into the playoffs anyway, and they're just depressed. You know, this is a game where the Steelers are going to be up big, and, you know, I just think that they're going to look at scoreboard watching and kind of realize that the season's over and how much they screwed up. Uh, this season, like between the Le'Veon Bell situation, between the situation with the game out in Oakland, like how many chances the Steelers squandered opportunities to make the playoffs. And I talked about this, like I I, I said, I said this like before when they lost that game to the Raiders, that they've given away their chance of making the playoffs. And to their credit, they found a way to win that new England game, but then they gave it right back. uh, You know, it's just one where, you know, one step forward, two steps back with this Steelers team, and the nonsense that I'm hearing about Mike Tomlin getting fired. Like it's not Mike Tomlin's fault that uh, the Steelers are in danger of missing the playoffs. This is not on Mike Tomlin. This is on Steelers management for getting overconfident about the Le'Veon Bell situation. They thought they were going to win. Uh, they were going to win out that PR battle of Le'Veon and get him to for- force him to come in. Like the Steelers were just incapable of closing out teams and you you know why they can't close out teams Le'Veon Bell was the closer like like to get those hard yards like it, it's hard to get yardage when teams know you're trying to run the football like there's a difference between certain backs it's not that I'm ripping James Conner but like when stats guys keep telling me how much better James Conner's performing uh than uh, Le'Veon Bell, I know people are not paying attention to, like, actual games because there's a lot more to NFL games than just seeing what the yards per carry are. Like, you actually have to look at certain details of games, and people were not seeing that. Like, James Conner hit a wall, and, you know, once he hit that wall, like, he never quite uh, recovered. Like, I'm still probably going to play James Conner uh, this weekend because, you know realistically uh, Antonio Brown's not going to play the Steelers are going to be up big on the Bengals it's a perfect time to get Connor reacclimated to the, uh, the offense after being out the high ankle sprain and it's a, a Bengals run defense that's absolutely atrocious like they should be able to run up and down on him so he'll gain the confidence and run for over 100 yards like to me uh, like Connor's a play here for uh, DFS because of the fact that the Bengals are that terrible, but like the Steelers screwed up this season royally, and it was completely avoidable. Uh, like I can't, I can't say that enough about the Steelers. I don't feel sorry for the Steelers uh, for missing out on the playoffs. Now this could entirely backfire on me, and the the Ravens uh, find a way to blow the game against the Browns, and the Steelers uh, take care of business, and the Steelers are back in the playoffs. But the Steelers don't deserve to be in the playoffs. The Steelers screwed themselves over and have no one to blame but themselves. They can blame Le'Veon Bell all they want, but it's really on the Steelers themselves. Anyway, moving on to the final 425 game that I want to talk about. We got the Chicago Bears traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Vikings win and they're in. Here's the thing. I talked about the, the bets of the weekend that I would want to be making. So I I talked about Liverpool smashing Arsenal. I talked I talked about uh, the fact that uh, you should be taking Clemson over Notre Dame. Talked about Alabama money line. We talked talked about John Jones winning the UFC. The other bet that I am convinced is going to happen is that the Bears are going to smoke the Vikings in the first half. I don't think this game is going to be remotely competitive in the first half. I think the Bears' defense absolutely suffocates Minnesota, and Minnesota does diddly squat on offense and gets embarrassed. Like, Kirk Cousins looks like he's going to be in the fetal position in the first half of this game. The reason why I say first half of this game is that the Bears still have a chance of winning out on a buy if the Rams somehow lose to San Francisco. I don't think the Rams uh, struggle at all against San Francisco. The Bears look at the scoreboard. The Bears like, okay, let's pull the starter. So first half, I think Chicago absolutely dominates this game. Second half, because Minnesota's a five-and-a-half point favorite, I think the Vikings figure out a way of winning this game, even though they have no business winning this game, because straight up, the Bears are a better team, and Minnesota is an abject disaster with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins does not play well under pressure. He does not play well against above-average defenses. Like, it's clear as day. And they they put the blame on John Filippo, the former offensive coordinator, for throwing the ball too much. But they can, run, they can try to run the ball all they want against good defenses. The Vikings are not uh, aggressive at the point of attack running the football. And Kirk Cousins, like, if there's tight coverage, Kirk Cousins is not hitting guys. Like, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were doing yeoman's work early on in the year getting wide open for Kirk Cousins to throw the football. Like, everyone who keeps saying that Kirk Cousins is not a bust this year keeps looking at the stats, and I'm telling you, like, stats can be very deceptive. Like, actually watching work performance of certain individuals still matters. Like, watching game tape still matters. Because if you watch game tape of Kirk Cousins play, you know Kirk Cousins is not playing well. It is clear as day Kirk Cousins isn't playing well. Like, I, and, you know, I'm guilty of it as well. I thought Kirk Cousins uh, getting out of Washington was a good thing for him and that you're going to see the best of Kirk Cousins now that he's got a firm contract and can actually uh, have a good roster around him, good defense, like all the things he didn't have in Washington, you're going to see the best out of Kirk Cousins. That's why I thought Jacksonville should have made a play for him. I was wrong. Kirk Cousins has been an abject disaster. Like, with more pressure put on him, he has crumbled. And I can't mince words about it. It's like, Minnesota is uh, in danger of missing the playoffs, and it's going to be squarely on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. Like, you can, like, try to say the defense didn't play as well as it did last year. Like, no. This is Kirk Cousins not living up to the contract. He's making $24 mil a year at, at a fully guaranteed contract. I, I mean, $20 mil a year, fully guaranteed contract. Three-year deal. $84 million. Guaranteed. Like, Kirk Cousins got his money, but he is not even remotely close to the guy that they paid for. He's, I mean, Case Keenum has been absolutely awful this year for the the Broncos, so I'm not saying that they should have gone with Case Keenum. Alex Smith was awful for Washington this year before he broke his leg. Like, I'm not even saying you can replace him with Alex Smith. I'm just saying that in general, this quarterback class that got free agency money this year was abjectly terrible. Terrible. They did not even remotely come close to living up to the hype. So when people tell me that uh, and like bash Eli Manning, like there were so many other quarterbacks who were playing worse than Eli this year that the stats like bailed them out on because of of uh, uh, stat padding. It's not. It's not even close. Like Kirk Cousins realistically did less with more than just about any other QB in the league this year. So when I say this is one of the easiest bets of the weekend, like this is an easier bet than John Jones uh, winning in the UFC tonight. Like I, 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 I say that like Sunday afternoon, people are going to be looking at that first half of the Vikings game, wondering what the hell's going on, and I'm going to be saying, "I told you so." Like the the Bears, even though they don't have that much to play for, because it's a it's it's a pipe dream that they uh, the Rams lose. The Bears are going to dominate the Vikings on all. Uh, On defense. Uh, They're going to dominate them in the first half. And then they'll probably pull the starters at halftime. But like for the part of the game that the Bears do play. They're going to kick the Vikings ass. Like I I have no doubt about this. And then people are going to be like. Oh wow. Kirk Cousins. Didn't live up to the moment again. But it's like. Have you been watching the rest of the year? This is what has been going on the entire season. So I can't say that this is a shock when it happens because I know it's going to happen because all the evidence is pointing to the fact that Kirk Cousins does not play well against good defenses and the bears are very good defense. So, you know, there's a chance that Philadelphia finds a way into the playoffs, even though they really don't deserve it. But because of how incompetent, uh, Minnesota looks on offense at times when they go up against good teams there's a chance the Bears win this game. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the the Vikings will still figure out a way of backdooring their way into the playoffs uh, by getting a, a W in the second half when the Bears pull their starters. But there's a chance Philly can actually make the playoffs with Nick Foles, which would be an absolute joke. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Which brings us to our Sunday night matchup, win and you're in between the Colts... And the Titans. Winner gets the number six seed and plays the Texans, who are the AFC South champions. So basically you get a divisional matchup. Uh, Here's the thing. Neither of these teams are very good. Andrew Luck covers up a lot of warts on the Colts as a whole. The Colts have a decent run defense. Tennessee's an absolute dumpster fire on offense. Marcus Mariota cannot stay healthy. I, I, I look at this as a case where, you know, I don't think Mariotto's even going to play tomorrow night because he can't grip a football. You know, it, it's, it's just a, a situation where it's ugly. It's not remotely good football that we're going to watch. But at the end of the day, it's a game that has playoff implications. So let's talk about it. I just think that Indianapolis is... A, a more well-rounded team Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback uh, or at least a quarterback that you can rely upon Blaine Gabbert's not going to be able to win this game uh I'll, I'm just gonna say point blank it's like they have no shot of winning this game if Blaine Gabbert starts uh you know Derrick Henry would have to run for 250 yards for uh Tennessee to be able to uh, beat Indy and you know again Derrick Henry is not that good it like a team that's actually committed to stopping the run is going to shut down Derrick Henry for under 80 yards. I, I'll, I'll say that every single time. Like, Derrick Henry is not going to average more than three uh, three yards a carry uh, against a good run defense uh, that's concentrated on him. It's just not happening. So uh, I, I just think – I don't see a scenario where uh, Indy loses. So this is, again, another lock. Like, Indy's uh, – the line was – uh, point and a half uh, because Indy's traveling to Tennessee. Now it's up to three points. Uh, so Indy laying three points. I-, I think it's a clear bet on Indy. Like, th- th- to me, there's no, no brainer. Like, the Colts are going to win this game. It, again, the Colts would have to find, move heaven and earth to find a way to choke away that game in order to lose to the Titans. It's not happening. So uh, th- it is what it is. So. Uh, The Colts are going to make it into the playoffs. And then that sets up a very interesting matchup against the Texans because, again, I don't believe in the Texans. I find the Texans find ways to lose games. So I I definitely think the the Colts could pull off an upset against the Texans. It would not shock me in the least uh, because, you know, as I said, the Texans are pretenders. Like, none of these teams are going to really do anything remotely important in the playoffs, but, you know, Somebody's got to get in, and uh, it, that team's going to be the Colts. So, uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. So, uh, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, like I said, uh, I'll get into the DFS picks tomorrow morning, just because of the injury news hasn't broken down yet. So, uh, Week Seventeen's always a mad scramble. I'm going to be panicking. Uh, I always get antsy with Week Seventeen. This is why you don't play week 17 uh, regular fantasy leagues because it is the dumbest thing imaginable that you go all the way to the end of the year and then have guys pulled out of the last minute. It it makes no sense playing a regular season week 17 league. I keep saying that time after time and people don't listen at guess what? It's going to burn someone tomorrow. I absolutely know it. Like someone's going to have a starter pulled and they're going to get pissed and they're going to lose their final. They're going to blame playing week 17 on the player, uh, you know, And it's your own fault for playing in the Week 17 League. Sorry, it is. Anyway, that does it for the show. Have a good one, folks. Uh, It it should be a very entertaining uh, day of sports uh, throughout Saturday. I'll catch you back tomorrow on Sunday. So have a good one. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.